0: This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 868, brought to you by iFanboy listeners, just like you there, ma'am and or sir. It's quarter to three, there's no one in the
1: place, except you and me, so set em up, Joe, I got a little story. I think you should know We're drinking, my friend To the end of a brief episode Make it one
0: for my babe Hey, this is Josh Flanagan. I am here with my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. If this is your first time listening, our names are inconsequential to you. If you have listened before, you know our names. So I don't know why I say that. This is iFanboy Pick for the Week. <laughs> I just got existential. You're questioning
2: everything like last week when you were gone. I was questioning why we keep numbering the shows when no other podcast I listen to does that.
0: Because it's a comic book show. I guess. I guess. That's what to I me I mean having it's... the whole thing like, what are we even doing? Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Put a date on or whatever. I think that because you and I come from a time where, as comic books number up, and this is the revolution, of course, that we talked about, as that number grows and grows, then it, it gains a lasting historical archive. It's a it's an accomplishment. So when we say eight hundred and sixty eight episodes, I can be like, "Well, shit, it's a lot." We're an institution, at least in in our own in our own small way.
2: I was gonna say in our houses, but not even.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. We were a, just in this moment. I'm just a resident. I need to pick things up, put them over there, go out your and staff. get a thing. Very, I mean, I'm like, I'm possibly middle management, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not in charge. I am middle management. That's true. In all aspects of my life. Can I tell you, I had a very good week, but I was extremely tired. And because yeah. uh, I decided to take a midweek vacation. Sure. Which, Celebrate which sounds birthday. great. But then that, that first day back, I'm like, I just have to go right back to normal things. I'm very tired. <laughs> And all day I thought, ugh, I don't want to have to do this show tonight. But the second that we started talking, I thought, I'm really glad I get to do this. Well,
2: it's just funny because Ryan told me last week that you told him you were quitting.
0: He wasn't supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Every week one of us picks the book they like the best from their stack of comics. We call that the pick of the week. We will talk about that, that pick book. That that's the one that Connor this week has said, oh, man, this is the one that did it for me better than anything else that I read this week. We will talk about other things we read this week. We, one of those will be the patron pick, which is the books that uh, the patrons pick. Like, it's, it's self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. We will answer mail it if we have time. That's always a crapshoot. There will be spoilers. Exercise caution. As I alluded to, Connor had the pick, which was a surprise to me when he sent me the picks. The a surprise I had the pick. Not a surprise that the book was the pick. No, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that it, that it wasn't my job, it, which was a great deal of relief, by the way. I was like, oh, sweet, because <laughs> I was way behind. I had went on a ski trip, and let me talk about my, my working class guilt about saying things like that. Uh-huh. But I hadn't read anything, and it was like late Wednesday, and it occurred to me. I was like, Connor, I, I'm just going to warn you. I'm not sure if I can do this. And then it was, you have nine books, and I was like,
2: golden. Yeah, this was a small week. I mean, last week was a giant week. And then the previous two weeks before that were small. I, it's just, you can never tell what's going to come out and what the number of books are going to be. It's not even on a regular schedule. And last week when you were gone, Ryan and I talked about how, you know, we had tons of books. I think I had like 24 books. There was a really great week on the whole. It's like a lot of fun books to read, a lot of, a lot of really great comics. This week, eh, not so much. The pick of the week was the, the Human Target book 12, the final issue of this 12-issue miniseries. And I'll just be honest, this had zero competition. There wasn't even another book that – I thought for a moment about this was the very last book I read and until I did I thought to myself oh god please <laughs> please let this be good <laughs> because <laughs> there's nothing nothing else going on this week so this is the final issue of the Tom King Greg Smallwood Clayton Cowles epic black label out of continuity murder mystery crime noir set within the world of the Justice League International I think this is the, the fifth or sixth – the fifth time this has been Pick of the Week, this out of 12. I think it's five. It might be six, but I think it's five. You can ask
0: me all you want. I'm not going to know.
2: And this is totally an epilogue. I mean, in la- we talked about an issue 11 when it came out, is that that was the, you know, the, the revelation of, of what we knew was coming anyway. We've talked a lot about Tom King being a very – he's a novelistic writer. He started writing novels. This is probably his most novelistic work. And it was interesting reading this issue because I think as comic readers, as readers of certain kinds of stories – superhero stories in particular, we are trained to think yep. that the character, the main character, the hero will f- will save the day or find a way to, to win, right? That yeah, yeah. Christopher Chance will
0: not die in the end. I just need you to do one thing for me. Okay, I get it. He's going to... And the whole time, I mean, you, you and I are both... And it's just, that's narrative. I mean, we're... Yep. The, you know, the hero must rise, but no.
2: Yeah, so the whole time I'm thinking that he's going to pull it out. You're right. Like, we're flashing him back around in time as... Ice in the present is grieving his death, but we're seeing these sort of cryptic scenes between her and Christopher on the ice flow from last issue episode, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, no, he dies. He dies of the poison that he's had in him this whole time. And this is just sort of the fallout. And I mean, just going through the scenes, you know, I really enjoyed the scene with fire. It was just the two of them on a couch staring at his ashes in a whiskey bottle. I really enjoyed the, scene with John Jones. And we're going to get to the pizza guy in a minute. And then I really enjoyed her hitting guy in the head with the whiskey bottle full of ashes Mm -hmm. as she's contemplating where to drop them. And she decides that that was what he would have wanted.
0: Can I tell you right now, I missed everything about the fact that those were his ashes in that whiskey bottle. I just thinking (laughs) the whiskey bottle was like a metaphor for him. Um, I see it now clean as day. And I will also say that I, finished it and i went wait a minute i must have missed something and then i went and i read the last few pages again i was like oh i get it like but i almost missed it like if i hadn't forced myself to like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute and it was very obvious when i went back but
2: you were adult so then yeah we go back and we see christopher asking her to do one last thing for him and and we you know maybe that's him somehow saving the day but it's not what happens is she goes to visit lex Luthor in the final pages Lex Luthor, of course, being the reason why Christopher died in the first place, because he was the target. Christopher was doubling him. Ice tried to kill Lex for killing her, because these are superheroes, and you know accidentally killed the man she fall, fell in love with. And so here she comes back to his office, and she ends up poisoning and killing Lex Luthor, because this is out of continuity. Yeah, but also,
0: Chance wanted her to He's like, could you kill him for me real quick? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she was like, that's cool. And let's be honest here. This isn't actually Lex's fault. No, he was the innocent victim here. Well, I mean he killed, he killed Ice in the first place, so yeah. Well, no, but he hired Chris Richens to take his place. Yeah. He did. It didn't go well, but that was all in the contract. Yeah. So if there's one thing that does stick out
2: that I don't yet understand, it's the pizza scene. And not for the normal reasons we talk about the pizza scene.
0: Oh, is this actual literary criticism?
2: She's eating the pizza correctly, mostly correctly. She's holding it pretty well in that one panel. She goes to the pizza place Luigi's underneath Christopher Chance's apartment and has a slice of pizza with Luigi, the owner, and they talk about how much they're going to miss him. And they have a conversation. It lasts over two pages. She says the meal's done. And she says something to him in Italian, and there's a a panel where he doesn't say anything, and he says, I should have learned Italian. It would have made it all more believable.
0: Now, is that Christopher Chance? I didn't think of it that way. I was thinking of it more like this is his Frenchie. Yeah, I don't know if
2: it was, it doesn't make any sense if it is him because it's never mentioned or dealt with again. And she's sad the whole rest of the time.
0: Right. If I was going to say, if it was that, was, this would have been like the last scene or right. the second to last scene, not right. at the beginning. And I only vaguely remembered him from the beginning. Like he lives above this pizza place, right? right. That was the deal. And I don't remember their relationship because it's been so long. Should I right. learned Italian, it would have made it all more believable. I do not know. But the thing is the way that they're talking about him doesn't indicate that it's him like it's not repartee going back and forth with winks like it's it's two people reminiscing over a person right and he says you know like i'm gonna travel and it sounds like he was left a bunch of money maybe from 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 chance and then i guess she was too i don't know i don't know it was a nice scene how's your italian uh i don't know what that says she just says that's for sure okay So that's the response to he was many people, but no one else was him. She says, that's for sure. So he says, when you are finished, I will bring it to you. Is that the poison? I think she's responding to the first part.
2: He was many people, but no one else was him. And she says, that's for sure.
0: Right. But what's it? What will he bring to her? The bill? No. He's not going to charge her for this. (laughs) That's not what's happening here. I don't it's interesting. Know. I don't know, and I think that makes me love it all the more. Yes, I agree with that. And, and, and I could also see why you'd be super annoyed with that. But, but I think you're right. I think
2: if this scene happens right before the Lex scene or after the Lex scene, then you're like, oh, that's him. Right. But it happens on – my iPad is
0: dying. On page 9 of 30 30-ish. and And also, there's no reason. There's no clue – there's, that I see, that this would have been a hoax or he would have gotten out of it. Right. There's no other breadcrumbs that would lead you to that conclusion. The previous page is the scene where he's dead in the
2: hotel and she's, she checks his pulse, she uh-huh. checks his heart, she's crying on the floor, and then they have the scene with Luigi or whoever that guy is, and then the next page after that is his ashes in the whiskey bottle. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I like that it's this weird, ambiguous scene in the middle
0: I feel like I should go back and figure out what he said it earlier. Like, Maybe. Like, go back to visit this character. I'm not going to do that. But I assume that would make it clearer. Uh, you know what? Patrons, do your thing on the Discord.
2: But you know what? Here's, here's the thing. This is Why I love it is because it works in a lot of different ways. This issue and the whole mm-hmm. series in general. I mean, you can read it several ways and it works in all of mm-hmm. them. You could say that's him.
0: You could say he's dead. It all works at the end. I think... This is a terrific issue. Now, I don't know if this is just composition or not. Mm -hmm. You never see his whole face. When he's Mm -hmm. facing towards the camera, half his face is out of it, or he's turned around. Look at the acting in the last two panels. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Last night, I believe I was I, I had taken my iPad to bed and I was going to read for a little bit before I went to sleep. In fact, I fell asleep reading, literally. Which I was like, I guess I should read that one again. Whichever one it was, it wasn't this. Mm-hmm. And at one point, my wife was there and she's looking at it, and, she, and I was reading something. She goes, "So what do you do? You just by the way, we've been doing this for however long." And she's asking me this question for the first time. <laughs> what do you What do you do when you're reading? Like, what are you looking for? You're thinking about the story or whatever. And I go, "Well, there's that, but also." You know, I'm always looking at all the elements. I'm looking at the art and the color. And I had opened a book that wasn't really very good in one way or another. And I was like, "Yeah, it's fine. I was, I was like, I don't like this coloring form because it looks too digital to me. And I, I said, but sometimes that works. And then I said, see, look at this. And I opened up this book because I knew mm-hmm. it would look amazing. I was like, some mm-hmm. art I love. I go, I love this art. And it's because it was digital, but you can see the drawings. You can see mm-hmm. the stuff. And then uh, I go to that second page, which is the doorknob. There's a mm-hmm five panels of doorknob and i said okay so when i read a comic book i look at this and i say look at the sequence it's just a doorknob because the first one was a click then it's still and then here it's starting to get cold and i go and that's because she has ice powers <laughs> and then the last one it looks like crystal and then it cracks and falls and that's how she got to the doorknob and i was like that is an amazing bit of cartooning that is storytelling mm-hmm. uh, you know and she had rolled over by that point but um, <laughs> <laughs> you were answered with a snore Right, but but like right away, I was like, this is what I look for. And I was like, this is what's great about comics.
2: Yeah, and the thing is, like, very few comics that come out on a weekly basis that we we read and we enjoy them will inspire this level of introspection or analysis. Yes. Nor nor should they all be this way. No, they shouldn't. We've said this many times, you know. It's just there's a level of consideration here that makes it really fun to talk about and to examine.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm going to still be thinking about this Luigi situation for a little while. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll go back and reread them and see. Because it's such an odd scene
0: to happen there early on. I mean, I could ask. <laughs> I know. Well, <laughs> not, not yet. Not, not yet. No, I've, I've literally, I know I, I said that, which is sort of, I've never done that. Not yeah. one time have I done it with anybody. You know, like, what's this? Because on the one hand, I also think I would consider it, if I was the creator, I would consider it sort of insulting. Like, you want to ask me to explain this, which indicates that either I've failed or you didn't pay enough attention. So I'd never do that.
2: If you look on page 24, your digital reader, you know, so the Luigi scene's day 16. Now on page 24, we're at day 73. Mm-hmm. And Ice goes, gets his ashes out of the closet, takes the stopper out of the bottle, smells the ashes, and then flashes back to day 11. So like, it's, he's got to be dead in there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, wait, is that a bottle? No, that's actually not his ashes. Oh, wait a minute. Because if you look after the scene, she's got a bottle full of yellow liquid. She's smelling the poison
0: that's the green bottle or yeah, yeah yellow green yeah she's yeah, throwing that's the poison. poison yeah yeah and it looks like she's taking a drink and you can so kill she herself so she smells the
2: poison and flashes back to him saying kill Lex and then she goes and kills Lex right it's interesting I, I I thought this was terrific this whole miniseries was great one of my favorite things if not my favorite thing that Tom King's done I'm eagerly awake, looking forward to the next thing Greg Smallwood does oh 100% Tom King has Danger Street right now and I think that's it yeah I'm looking forward to whatever he announces next. I, know I want he's, another Superwoman. busy with James
0: Gunn, but... Not uh, Superwoman, but, like, that kind of thing. I thought that was really fun.
2: He had, like, several things going at one point. So, I'm, yeah. you know, it's always fun when he's doing these interesting and weird things that come out. And so I'm looking forward to whatever he announces next. But this was easy pick of the week. There was just no competition this sure. week. You know, any other normal week, it's probably also still pick of the week. But this particular sure. week, there wasn't a lot to talk about. No, I mean, there were other books. Like, Action Comics, 1,052... It was fine, you know? They have things I enjoyed about it. It's too much. That's my criticism. And especially after last week's Superman number one, which I thought was like a perfect Superman comic, I don't need Superman
0: to have a family. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like eight or nine people in it. So I finished the first story in it, and I thought, I enjoyed that. And I kind of like tapped. I was like, felt short. So I tapped, and and then I realized I was only a third of the way through it. And I was like, ugh. (laughs) And then... And then I got the the second story, which was fine, but it was Lee Weeks, so that's better than fine. Yeah. And then I got to that the third one. I went, oh right. And then I didn't read that part.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm only reading the second story because of Lee Weeks. I don't really care about, right? You know, young Jonathan on the farm, but you know, I, Lee Weeks is a sight to behold. So I read that. And the third story, I just skimmed it because I don't care at all about yeah. Power Girl's new telepathic powers. I do like the art, but I just sort of skimmed the story. But it's just the main story where we, we've got the Superman family and it's. Jonathan and Connor and Kara and Kong is that his, is it the Chinese mm-hmm. Superman's name and the kids from the planet which we definitely don't we, we don't need their version of the nope the things kids and Steel's daughter and Steel it's like and Lois and they're all constantly all hanging out together in their apartment and it's just it just feels very claustrophobic. trying to watch
0: TV while nine adults discuss something around them. <laughs> You should pay like, attention to The Wire when that's going on. That room is so, like, I can I can picture it being in that room, and I just, like, can everyone please leave? <laughs> it's too much. That's how I feel
2: about the book. It's too much. And all the men look the fucking same. Yeah. Comics have changed. There's fewer pages, and there's fewer issues per storyline, yeah. and there just isn't enough time to give everyone their due. In these stories, and they're they're not written as soap operas anymore. That go well, they are and they aren't. They're not structured as soap operas anymore, and that where the stories continue on forever. They are structured in six or five issue arcs, and you just don't get the time to tell the stories you need to tell, and it's just
0: too many characters. And you know what's what's interesting is that like the Metallo part is pretty good. As far as Mm -hmm. these things go. And then we spend like a ton of the issue explaining to the 15 other people who Metallo is. And (laughs) and I was like, no. And then you got to deal with the kid. Like, it's it's too much. It's too too much in the story. And the issue is too much. It needs to be edited down. Like, edit,
2: edit, edit. Edit the characters, edit the yeah. number of ideas. Like Phil Kennedy Johnson's terrific and he's I think he's a good Superman writer. And I think Absolutely. Ralph Sandoval is a solid superhero artist and it's all good, but
0: I think if you're going to do a story that has way too many extraneous characters, he did it as well as possible. He's really good with ensemble stuff. He did that in the alien books. He's been doing it here on the on the Warworld stuff. But I'm telling you, he cuts out a good eighty percent of these Superman variants, and that is gonna be a happy artist.
2: Well, I also think that if you have, you're going to do Superman in his own book called Superman, and then you have this action comics book about the giant family. Don't have Superman in it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tell a story. Tell somebody else's story.
2: Tell their stories. Take out Superman. Take out Steel, and take out Lois. And right away, you're losing, you know, a fifth of the characters. Like they have a book. Steel doesn't have a book, but his 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 niece is here. Like tell their stories. To
0: make this the sidekick book. John has his own book. It's a mini-series. It's not a long-going. Oh, kind of, there's another mini-series coming up. It's an endless mini-series.
2: The point is, like, shift the focus. If there's this many characters, go to go mm. to the kids, go to the family. It's still too many. Why is the Chinese Superman hanging out there and not in China? There's no explanation for any of it. Well, he can go back and forth real easy. He commutes. Don't, but why is he there at all? Mm. They're, never, they're just not explaining it. Just, it's just we're here. There's a bunch of people hanging out on the couch.
0: Mm.
2: Why are they wearing jackets? Why are they all wearing
0: jackets? I was just watching a Justice League cartoon, and I and I was watching Superman. He's in the the jet, and he's mm-hmm. got he's got his seatbelt on. I was like, why? Because <laughs> he's setting a good example, Josh. The only thing I thought of is if for some reason like they crash and he's not paying attention, he would like go through the front and kill everybody. I guess. But also, just want the, the kids can't see him not wearing a seatbelt. I mean, it makes an excellent. But there were no children in the jet at the time. <laughs> just edit. That's all I'm
2: saying. Mm-hmm. I hate this place. Number six didn't realize this was coming out start
0: of a new arc from kyle starks and artyom topolin i did remember that like when it stopped before it was like we'll be back i remembered that much and i was like oh right
2: i went on a roller coaster of emotion with this issue where in the beginning i was like i don't remember who any of these people are do i know these people uh what do I want to keep reading this? And then by the end, I was like, yeah, I I still want to keep reading this. I still like this.
0: I had that same thing, but I thought that it righted itself very quickly. So it wasn't, at first, like I went back, I was like, is there a summary? Is there whatever? And then pretty quickly we got an idea what was going on. And I was like, okay, this was done with self-awareness as Mm -hmm. opposed to with carelessness, if it makes sense. And I mean, sure, the antagonists in this are just, carbon copies of the preacher bad guys from book two but <laughs> i mean like we're down to the religious figure who's violent with the two yokel helpers whatever yeah, it's yeah. a great book if you're gonna steal steal from the best <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah so you know this book before is about these, these two women and, You know they're a couple and they've inherited this farm the farm is surrounded by monsters and ghosts and they're, they're trapped basically uh they've been cursed by state by accepting the farm and the first arc was basically them surviving as they figured this all out. And now uh, one of the women, she was sort of the the survivalist, you know, badass of the two. Her father is, is a crazy preacher, cult leader, murderer. Survivalist. Yeah. Survivalist, doomsday prepper. Mm-hmm. He and his goons have tracked his daughter down, but they have not realized that they have tracked her down into a farm full of ghosts and monsters. So. Uh, you know, by the end, I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm back in. But the beginning, yeah. I was like,
0: who are these people that I forget who this guy is? Like, I just didn't remember. I really think it did a great job at that. I had the same feeling, but like, as soon as, it, you know, like it righted itself, we went to the flashback. I was like, okay. and credit to the artist is that when they did that, I recognized the people in the, you know, the religious cult or whatever as the yep. same people. I was like, oh, okay. I definitely recognize the preacher. He's the same guy <laughs> from the other one who wanted the orange cupcakes, which are disgusting both in concept and in reality. Awful. I may have tried one once, but even then (laughs) I knew. It was just like a dare with myself.
2: It's got to be at least a decade since I've had a Twinkie. And sometimes I'll just think about a Twinkie and and I'll really want one. They're super disappointing.
0: I know, but in my mind. Like, I don't think they were always like this, or maybe I didn't notice, but like, it's a lot of oil. I think they were fluffier when we were kids. Yeah, and I don't mean like it's greasy. Like, you could squeeze it and straight oil would come out of it.
2: I think... I feel like the last time I had one, it was almost like too gooey and too compacted, whereas Uh as a kid, they were
0: fluffier. Yeah. Or I'm just remembering it that way. And then there was the bit where Hostess went away, and I went and I bought some of the cupcakes, because the cupcakes were my jam when I was a kid. And I remember enjoying that, and it was like the last day of Hostess or whatever. And then a few years, it came back, and I was like, I'm going to get some of those chocolate cupcakes. Those are not good cupcakes. I used to love those cupcakes. I I know.
2: I think they came back with a Z. It was Hostess. And it's, it's 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 coming out
0: of Eastern Europe, and uh, it's not the same. Do you guys hear us not getting to the e- emails right now? <laughs> Can meant, you tell right. what's happening?
2: Well, let's see what happens. So I hate Iron Man. This week I had only two Marvel books. So I was like, okay, I'll try some. I'll try something else. That I wasn't planning on it. So I picked up. I I, 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 I am Iron. Iron.
0: Did I say I hate Iron Man? Well, yeah, yeah, and I wasn't sure if that was a statement or you no, got the title it wrong.
2: A, it was just. I'm just tired and low blood sugar talking about Twinkies and I haven't eaten dinner yet
0: so I saw this and I (laughs) read the description and it was the most not like I was like this is every Iron Man story ever it didn't tell me anything and also like we're breaking him down I was like all that anyone's been doing is breaking him down since 2008 that's it in fact it started before that with Warren Ellis who broke him down and I saw the two creators names who they look like Nigerian Nigerian. they did that did they do that that image book Possibly. I should have looked that up. I thought I got to look that up before. The
2: writer did some work at um, Action Lab. Mm-hmm. They're Nigerian creators. That's part of the reason why I picked it up. The first
0: Marua Ayodele and Dota Nakande. And I, I very specifically said, All right, I don't have a lot of books, because I'm going to check this out. But nothing about it made me want to take a look. So I misspoke a little. This was the one that I was looking at when my wife said, What is it oh. looking at here? Okay. And I was about to, because my first glance at the art, I was like, Well, I don't really like this art because of whatever. And then I flipped the page, and I immediately saw some – the action sequences in the comic book storytelling in this were excellent.
2: Yeah, no, I thought that was – I thought the art was the strongest part of the book.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't like that coloring. There's a there's a type of coloring there that, that's going on. It's, it's not my favorite. But as I was going through it, I, I, I was trying to, like, find something to criticize. And, like, the first page, I was looking at it, and I went, actually, that's rad, because you can see – there's three panels on the first page at the bottom, and it's like a foot with a flip-flop is taking a step. And then the second panel is that foot has gone past. It's in the next part of it, and there's a tiny little crack word balloon. Mm-hmm. And then there's a hand that comes out that bur- and burst is behind it. So that effect is on the board. And by the way, trying to explain the phrase that f- the sound effect is on the board <laughs> is not going over <laughs> well either. <laughs> and then you go to the next page, and everything has this motion to it, this up, yeah. upward and to the right thing going on. Because I had started off trying to be like, here's what I don't like about it, and then page after page, there was something I really liked on most of the pages. This is a miniseries Iron Man throughout time, so this is basically
2: focusing on Iron Man in the in the original gray Iron suit. And the writer, at least I think the artist as well, but the writer is like uh, Iron Man super fan. I I just mm-hmm. when I looked him up, I looked, I found a little thing he wrote, like he's his favorite character, and so he mm-hmm. was very excited to do this. So this is a trip through Iron Man's history. And the story, I don't understand it. I didn't under- follow it. Yeah, it was very confusing. I thought for a story like this, where you really want, want to celebrate the history of Iron Man, it should be real much more straightforward. Maybe dealing with characters from his past as opposed to this new time traveling character who plays a guitar to travel in time. And I believe it's a bass. Is it a bass? <laughs> at a certain point, I was maybe halfway through. I was like, I don't, I don't know what's happening in this book anymore. But I did like looking at it, so I kept reading it.
0: I think visually. The storytelling and the um, uh, the way it, the Jesus, what's the word that starts with C O N? Compositions. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> the compositions, I think, were really strong, and there's really good scale stuff in here, and the scales keep changing, like the size mm-hmm. of the monster and where the girl is standing on it. I mean, every page really has something visually that is very much mainstream comics. Like it's not, it's not like wow, I've never seen art like this. But it's a, it's a really good version of it. There's a bit where Tony is running up, like these, like almost Invisible Woman constructs that he's stepping on as he's going. The movement on the pages is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Everything is going in a direction and and suggesting movement where that's correct. But yeah, the story was. I thought it was well done, but I didn't. It wasn't anything that was like spectacular to me.
2: Yeah, it was interesting. I was, you know, I was looking for it. This is his anniversary year, sixtieth anniversary, mm-hmm. so I was hoping for like, you know, the covers got Tony and all his suits, and I was hoping yeah. for more of a tale through Marvel time as opposed right. to this sort of wacky time travel thing with this guitar playing time travel. I don't know. It. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. I was just sort of perplexed about halfway through, and mm-hmm. I just kept reading it because oh, yeah. I liked it. I, I also But I just,
0: visually, I think it was worth it on its own. That's, yeah, for that's... sure.
2: We haven't talked about Stargirl, The Lost Children since, I think, the first issue. That's because I haven't read
0: past the first issue.
2: This is issue four of six, and I'm really loving this book. It feels very old school throwback. This is another Jeff Johns miniseries. Todd Nwok is the artist. And this ties into what Jeff is doing in Justice Society and ties into Doomsday Clock. It ties into this whole little corner of the DC universe that feels like Jeff is trying to do something, but he's off on his own Island and it probably won't, you know, affect anything else, but I'm really enjoying it. There's a really fun bit that opens the book where, you know, this whole book's about all these lost uh, from time sidekicks from like the golden age on, they have all been plucked out of the time stream forgotten about, and they're living on this Island that's outside of time. So there's all these characters from like the golden age that are here or their sidekicks. And one of them, people that's there is this, sidekick, time master. He's like Rip Hunters, one of Rip Hunters teenage sidekicks. And he's relating to the kids about how he was in a time bubble with Rip and everybody. And they were going through time and they just saw the flash run by and they were like, Oh fuck. I just like this idea that they're just they'll be going through time. They'll see the flash run through and they just know something has really gone horribly wrong with the time stream. <laughs> that was just funny to me. I actually think this is legitimately really good. Uh, the time kid seems a little unhinged either in a fun way or an ominous way. We're not sure yet, but this is all about, introducing these characters back into the stories. Jay Garrick has a daughter he's forgotten about. That's going to be interesting if they actually use that in the DC universe outside of the Justice Society book. Mm -hmm. This is like the perfect Jeff Johns book. It's tying in DC history. It's tying in his other works. It's all sort of coming together. I'm really, really enjoying it. If you're all sort of a fan of old school Jeff Johns stuff, Todd Nowak, who used to draw Young Justice, makes it feel like a book from 15 years ago in a good way. It's been really fun, and I'm really, really enjoying it. Just waiting for a time to talk about it.
0: That's great. Yeah. Cosmic Ghost Rider number one. I don't care about Cosmic Ghost Rider. Barely care about Frank Castle as a character, but I really like Stephanie Phillips' work. And so I thought I, I, again, light week, I gave it a flyer. Probably would have checked it out anyway, because I really go towards her stuff. But man, was this just pointless. (laughs) Just really, I mean, like it was a lot of cliches that were sort of the Punisher and Ghost Rider but it's the same thing that happened with the Cosmic Ghost Rider over in the, when Donnie Cates yeah. introduced him. Like this guy doesn't talk like Frank Castle.
2: Is it cowboy Frank Castle they're doing now?
0: It's kind of like he like he doesn't sound as Texan as he did in um, Cates' book now. Donnie Cates is a Texan. So maybe that had something to do with it. But there's a Western thing. You know, Frank gets a job in some sort of space bar with an old grumpy man, an old grumpy black man and his daughter. And I was like, this was Namor. This is exactly what happened in the Namor book. Now it was 30 something years ago, but whatever. You know, and a a guy comes riding into town and he's going to, they think there's something weird about this Frank guy. And it, like, it was just like all of these things that we have seen with Frank Castle before, it, it, like and a bunch of stuff, mishmash together. And it doesn't look like Frank. Ca- There's a different artist. You should, I don't know. It, it just, it wasn't. I, I don't it, know. I why. mean, I totally
2: skipped it. We are huge Stephanie Phillip fans. You and I have yeah. been talking about her, her book from, from a while, but she had two books this week. She had this book and she had the rogue gambit book. And I, I was like, wow, these are two comics that could not be less for me. I don't care who's writing them. Uh, I skipped them both.
0: It might be that she's not at the level yet. She's getting a pick from everything. So it's like, this is the stuff that you put you onto the side, see what you can do with these. Oh, maybe. But then again, Rogue and Gambit are are fairly popular characters for some goddamn reason.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I love Rogue. I don't... Gambit is one character I avoid if I can at all. Yeah. Now we wrap up Batman versus Superman number five as it took a long hiatus for Lazarus' planet to happen. I don't know why we did any of this. And I... I love Mark Wade, and we've been talking about how the Mark Wade resurgence, and uh-huh. I was initially going to skip this miniseries for obvious reasons, but I was pulled in because it was tied into the world's finest book, and I got suckered by the Alfred swerve, but then I don't, I you tell me, why did we do this?
0: Yeah. What
2: was the point of this? What was the point of any of this? It
0: really didn't feel like Mark Wade very much. It didn't. Take his name off. I never would have said it was Mark Whedon right It now. was all the stuff. So in a way, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I love the story, but I kind of appreciate that he can be many different things. You know, that said, I don't hate Damien like you do. I really enjoyed that last series that that Josh, I know, that Josh Williamson did. But this sort of continued that in the least interesting parts of it. The demon Neza, his son, who had a yeah, weird name. Like, yeah. and, you know, I thought the scenes were well done enough, but, but ultimately... It felt very far away from a Batman and Robin that I want to read. You know, Mahmoud Azrar, he's, he's a favorite great. of mine. The art was yeah, really good. Yeah, art, art was really good. It all went, yeah, it it just... George Belair's colors. Like, the book was gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was very competently done in every way. But, you know, ultimately, it wasn't for me. It's interesting reading it this week, in addition to
2: reading the Tim Drake issue of Robin.
0: You're still reading that, huh? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Did it get any better? No.
2: <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about self awareness. Didn't get any worse. The both comics kind of ended the same way in this sort of triumphant "I am Robin" moment, and and it's like, what is going on? And uh-huh. this is this is not last week's show. We spent literally thirty minutes talking about Robin in the email section, but they just got to figure out what they're doing. They just got to figure it out. But, but it was just funny how they both. I think I read them back to back. They both kind of ended this in a very similar mm-hmm. sort of message at the end. But whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, that's it. That's all the books we wanted to talk about. There weren't a lot of books this weekend. There weren't a lot to talk about. But at patreon.com slash ifanboy, uh, every patron who supports the show could vote out a book to the rundown. And this week, the overwhelming favorite was Phantom Road number one from Image Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, drawn by Gabriel Hernandez-Walta, although he's going by Gabriel H. Walta in this book, and colored by Jordi Belair, as we just mentioned, Steve Wands on letters. And, uh... You know, I really give Jeff Lemire credit. He seems to have a boundless imagination.
0: Yes, he comes yes. out with
2: a new book every few months. They're all somewhat different. Mm-hmm. This felt a little, little bit like that one he did on ice road. That ice road book, but this only maybe only because there's a word "road" in the title. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's got he's all over the place with all kinds of different stories and books and. He did a book about space, and he did a book about you know a guy looking for his dead daughter. Like he's got a lot of ideas, and he does, you know I give him a and, lot of and credit, he's, for and that. he's
0: very good at executing them. Yeah, I like I don't love all the things, but you think about all the no. stuff that he went and did over at Dark Horse with the what is it, the Black, Black Hammer, Black, Black Hammer. Hammer I mean, yeah. like it's a it's it's so prolific. He must spend a good portion of his day just staring off into space. Thinking. yeah well it's interesting because at first like he did the first thing we also ever saw from him forever ago was the essex county stuff it was all very down to earth oh, pretty was so so and and there was a little of that in this but i think where they took a swerve is that you'd meet this guy and he's a trucker and he's on the road and they flash back to his family and i was like oh he, he's kind of an asshole <laughs> not even kind well, no, of no, no. like he was the kid Oh, he was. I thought that yeah. was
2: back home.
0: No, I thought that was him when he was home. He was
2: flashing back to his past. He was the kid in that story. Oh,
0: okay, that makes his that, dad okay. was an asshole. Yeah. That does fit in a little bit, and so was his mom. They were both assholes. Yeah, they were. So, okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> well, actually, it doesn't because I was thinking, oh wow, this is a very complex character. This guy yeah. who's, who's a truck driver. Yeah, but then the the sort of setup, a lot of horror going on. It's this is the zeitgeist right now. He's fairly. Consistently been a mostly horror writer. He's yeah. ventured out to other genres, but most of the time. But it time just he's... feels like that's what everybody is doing. And yes. I know that he he was there first. But there's so much of it; it's kind of crazy. It isn't. There's there's probably very clear connections you can make in the world with that right now. The concept of what happens, and the visual uh, representation of it. So he's driving along. Lonely night. He's a very friendly guy at the rest stop with the lady and the coffee, and not creepy, just friendly. Nice. Yeah, no, totally. I mean it. Like yeah. he was like a, like a sweet guy. Who yeah, was, just kind of clarifying for the people who didn't read it. Yeah, like and just, yeah. um, and all of a sudden it's like oh, there's something in front of him on the road, and he swerves, and then there was a horrific accident. There's a dead body in the road, and a woman, and then weird shit happens. And then the thing that's really interesting to me was that they touch a thing, and from that point on the is colored differently this they're living in a grayish bleak world
2: there's some sort of like shard of something it looks like a mangled piece of metal i almost thought it was a like a body with ribs sticking out but it's just mangled something and he touches it and it transports him and the woman and his truck into some either some other dimension or something or whatever but you said it's it becomes very not sepia toned but very washed out Mm-hmm. color-wise after that and now on the road there's all these sort of uh, hollow-eyed there could be zombies they could be aliens they could be golems i mean story-wise it's not my favorite no. kind of thing and honestly i probably wouldn't have read it if it wasn't well obviously the patrons picked it but i was gonna read it anyway because i just love gabriel Hernandez walta so much i think he's one of my favorite artists in comics
0: yeah i would have read it i mean that's i actually had gotten it prior to the patron pick because i hit you know jeff lemire i was gonna say hit or miss but that's not exactly right because it's not hit or miss quality it's just hit or miss whether i'm interested in whatever the 90 thousand right. and that's the, the thing like when you're doing. when you're
2: dealing with so many different kind of stories and ideas you can some of them should just not be for you and this was like i saw the cover and i saw phantom road and i saw like and i was like uh, and then you see then I saw, and you're like all right uh, yeah i'll check it out belair too i mean we can't discount Jordy belair's contribution because the first part for a story that takes place mostly at night on a truck you know in a guy in a truck it's pretty bright like if you go in the when he goes into the truck stop the waitress is wearing a bright red and orange shirt the guy in the bathroom he has the weird encounter with is wearing a teal and green aloha shirt it's a pretty bright opening and it, then it gets really red at the accident site from the the lights in the car so like everything is lit red and then it goes washed out good color
0: no, you're you're right. One thing I really liked is that the very first page in this is a five panel vertical sequence mm. that mm-hmm. doesn't really make any sense, but it tells you exactly what's gonna what's going on with the book. I mean, like it, it, the book it's is a right flash there forward to. Yeah, it's like a cold yeah. open flash. And over. then later, that same sequence shows up, but in a fuller page that yeah. that has other stuff in. It. I was like, oh, I've never seen this technique. He's got ideas, man. He's full of them. Jeff Lemire's full of ideas in yeah. that little skinny head of his.
2: <laughs> He's just a thin man. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> He was. We haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> Middle age claims us all, my friend. This felt like one of those image comics that like feels like a cold open. Yes, doesn't give you the meal. The last line was now what? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't feel ripped off. Like sometimes I read one of these image books, sure. and I'm like, I'm like, this is a half a comic. There was a lot here, a lot going <laughs> on, but also not enough to tell me what exactly I'm reading here, what, yeah. the, what the stakes are, who, you know, anything. I did like the time jump where. They're in this truck, and there's just these creatures everywhere, and he's got a crowbar.
0: We didn't have to watch the one or two pages where he bashes a bunch and of- And so we
2: just have the two-page Phantom Road logo, and then we cut to, it's already over, and all the bodies are dead. He's he's covered in blood. Like I, th- I thought that was a fun little ending. I think his structure stuff can be really fun, the way he does st-
0: structure. Absolutely. I mean, like so any, any- I really don't have anything bad to say about the comic book and the way it was done. I think it was excellent. Mm-hmm. I'm not super interested in it as a concept.
2: That's the interesting question. So, well, first, let's do with the rating on it. I think it's an easier answer than the second question.
0: Is it? I'm not sure. I think so.
2: Ratings on Phantom Road number one from Jeff Lemire, Gabriel Hernandez walta Jordy Belair, Steve Wands. I'm giving it four stars out of five.
0: I was exactly about to say four. Yep.
2: Now, the tricky one is sticking with it. I don't know. I don't know. I might give it one more just to see if there's some more information on what this is, what is going on and... And what the stakes are, but I'm not Whatever super thrilled this, about it.
0: This is some different version of a zombie. Yeah, of it's a, it's a zombie story, one way or another. And if there's some remote possibility that this will be some interesting twist on it, yeah. that's fine. But I, you know, for a lot of zombie stories, they all kind
2: of do. Yeah, you, you know, I've I've given Lemire. Again, because he comes up with so many books, so many different ideas. If it's, I'm not thrilled by it. I usually give it a couple, and then I, I, I have no problem saying, yeah, okay, not, not working yeah. for me. And I back, and I like that that space book about the dogs. I, I give that like yeah. three issues, and I, I'm not enjoying
0: this. I just kept but none of them are like this sucks. No, it's not it. It at all. It's just you know, mm-hmm. not the thing. Which is it's just really commendable. So we'll see. That's yeah, the answer. As we'll see.
2: Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where all the patrons who are members of this of the our patron Patreon, I don't even know what they're called, they can vote to add a book to the rundown. Every one of them Patriarchs.
0: Can. Wait, no.
2: And so they are the ones who directly support the show at patreon.com slash iFanboy. They unlock great content. All the Splode shows we do are because of them. And if you want to help support the show and you want to become a patron, we have our monthly hangouts. We have a community in Facebook. We've got a community in Discord. Uh, we have our stretch goals. We have our other stuff that we have completely fallen off of for various personal reasons. So we're going to get back on, you know, adding to the community. Consider being one today. You can be one for as little as one dollar. You can for one dollar a month. You can join in the fun and help make the make the iFanboy community a better place. I think I really do think so. So uh, consider that at Patreon.com/slash iFanboy. iFanboy.threadless.com is where you can buy our t-shirts. We got twelve of them. Or at least 12 designs. You can get them all kinds of styles. I'm, I'm, I'm literally wearing a uh, Stay Home and Read Comics baseball tee right now. Underneath my three layers of clothes because it's 50 degrees here in LA. Well, No one here knows how to layer. That's what I <laughs> find. Ifemwa.com slash support is where you can leave a digital tip via PayPal. Ifemwa.com slash Amazon is uh where you can buy books we talk about in the books load shows and bookshop.org is our partner that helps support local books and small bookstores and we put those links on the website where they are appropriate and we thank you for t- supporting all of these ways keeps the show going keeps the lights on keeps the bills paid keeps us able to upgrade equipment and do all the things we need to do to make I fanboy a reality fix the website we just spent some money on because if there was a problem with it just did that just wrote that. that's true so uh
0: <laughs> it came up like, fast, like a
2: like when your house breaks. Yeah, like oh shit. Okay, so there you go. So thanks for supporting the show. We do appreciate it. Oh, <laughs> let's talk about patrons again. If you give it the five dollar or higher level, it's honestly one of my favorite parts of the show. And we've been doing this for like for like six or seven years. It's crazy how fast time is going. But we like to give the patron power to the patrons who give it the five dollar higher level live on the show. Josh, you're up. Fifteen percent off.
0: Timothy McCarthy <laughs> oh, no. always gets. A minimum of fifteen percent off. Oh, a minimum. One reason or another. I mean, there's times where you can get more. It's not like if he has a fifty percent off coupon, like it screws up, mm-hmm. and he he only gets fifteen percent off. He always gets a minimum of fifteen percent off somehow or another. Yeah, his life is fifteen percent cheaper <laughs> than it would have been otherwise. Right. And right, right. It, it doesn't. It doesn't work. However. If somebody asks, hey, can you pick this up for me? Right. It doesn't work that way. He can buy things for his family, you know, like direct family, like if he's buying stuff, that's, that's less. But if his pal's like, hey, can you do my dry cleaning? Like the famous Seinfeld episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the discount does not extend in that way, nor does it work for him in that way. Interesting. But everything is 15% off. Now, listen. That's pretty good. You know, in some things it's not going to make a big difference. Ten dollar item, it's a buck fifty. Whatever you're talking about, a vehicle. You're talking about a home.
2: You're talking about a guy who's not felt the pinch of inflation. Then,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I mean, he may not be saving as much, but he's not spending more. Yeah, good for him. Does that mean like if he buys a house, it's fifteen percent off?
0: Yes. Well, there you go. That's talking about fifteen, big money. like fifty, like like uh, we had some other offers, but we're going to go with yours. <laughs> we're
2: going to knock it down to fifteen percent for you. Oh,
0: <laughs> thanks. Fifteen percent off. Did you hear that, Gladys? They're
2: knocking 15% off.
0: Have you ever heard a power that popped up that quickly? <laughs> good job, Josh. Thank you.
2: Patreon.com slash FM Thanks for being a patron, Timothy. You can be one as well if you want to get your superpower live on the show. You can be a patron for $5 or more a month, and that's how we do it. I think we
0: have time for at least one email. I have no idea how long this show is going. Let's see.
2: We're good. We're on oh, time. Oh, geez. Do it. Let's talk, well, that first one we, have, we can really ramble on about that one. Let's start with Justin V and can go from there. Justin V has two questions. He's the first one. On a fanboy number 862, you discuss a question on the next generation DC heroes and how they lack the staying power of the older heroes. Is it possible that DC is paranoid about losing Batman and Superman to the public domain in the 2030s? Are they trying to cement a version of the characters that are significantly different from the original heroes? If that's not the case, some of these changes to Batman and Superman in recent years baffle me. Let's do that one first. Okay. So, what Justin is saying is true. A lot of the big pop culture characters, for the first time in our lives, and in the lives of anyone since there's been pop culture, who are going to start hitting the public domain in the next several years. Superman hits public domain in 2034, Batman 2035, One Woman 2037, from DC's point of view, this email. I, can you tell I did some research on this? Yeah, that's good. I did, because I know, I, you know, we're not copyright lawyers. I don't know if that's why. I mean, it's, I mean, it's certainly possible, but... The research I did was interesting. I read a couple articles about it. You know, so the big one is that Mickey Mouse is going to public domain next year, but Mickey Mouse is not going to public domain next year. It's just Steamboat Willie, the very first version of Mickey Mouse. So Mm -hmm. the one you see in T-shirts and in (laughs) Disneyland, (laughs) that's not the one that's going to public domain. It's the one from the cartoon. And so a lot of copyright people think that what's going to happen is that like, so let's just say Superman goes into public domain. It won't be the Superman of the comics we read this week. It's going to be the original version, which is the one who can't fly, no Lois Lane, no Perry White, no Kryptonite. It'll be very specific to that original version. And people think that Warner Brothers Discovery, whoever owns them at that point, could be Jiffy Lube at that point. We'll go to court to to state that exactly, that the Superman that people can make a comic book about or a movie about is only the specific version of Superman that very specifically fits into this box. That's what they think is going to happen. But well, we won't know until it actually does. So is that why they're making new generation characters? No, I don't know. Maybe. But it's interesting. It's going to be an interesting thing that happens in the next 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. I and mean, Captain America will hit the public domain relatively soon. Like it's it's going to be crazy.
0: I, I don't I don't I don't feel like I know enough about it.
2: Well, yeah, <laughs> we're not lawyers.
0: The, we are not lawyers. And, and, and the, I mean the thing is this like it, it's not going to happen. You know like for whatever reason there's rules, there's whatever. Yeah, I know, but like it's it's not going to I don't think they've exhausted change. the
2: loopholes and they've exhausted the yeah. things. And this was always the Disney law that Disney was constantly pushing the law back because of Mickey Mouse. But guess who's not very popular in Congress right now? Disney. And yeah. so th- there's no more, they're not getting any more pushbacks.
0: The product as it is, you know, it's still going to be what it is. Like they're going to make Superman movies, Batman movies, comics, whatever. And I think that consumers, myself included, would gravitate towards. The real ones? Maybe not, though. I mean, like, there's was, was all the Sherlock Holmes stuff that's all over the place. I mean, I guess people could do their own great Superman stories, but also, like, we've been having that for years. Like, every other... Yeah, there,
2: there's already tons of analogs out there in other right. comics. Right,
0: and so, you know, what does it bring to it? Then it doesn't exist in the universe, because not all those other things are canon or whatever. It's like the Fantastic Four movies they've done, like, whatever.
2: I mean, I think, I think sure, there's a possibility that exists that they're creating these. Next gen characters to have a safety net for copyright, but you know maybe they're just trying to make more characters and make mm-hmm. them younger and more diverse.
0: You know, we'll see. I mean, I, I mean, I think what we're seeing is, this is my guess. This is my guess. We are seeing the reaction with the different versions is comic makers, publishers trying desperately to find some sort of hook and an audience for these characters, who in printed form really only exist to a small diehard segment of which we are part of If you're listening to this you're part of that but there's not a lot of us and so they're flailing that's what's happening in all the places it's like we, for two reasons one is they're trying to get people to hooked on comic books and then the other is they are trying to create new ip right. and it isn't necessarily new properties but just new things to do with the properties they have they're just like well what, what if we do this is this going to catch on is this you know which has not worked <laughs> in a cinematic sense at all it's going to be interesting, and I mean, the answer
2: is we don't know if that's why they're doing it, but it's certainly something that they're definitely thinking about, so yeah.
0: who knows? Who knows? I definitely think that they're, like, they're trying to hook. They're trying to hook people, and they have no idea how to do it.
2: His second question makes me laugh. His second question is, I had a question about buying books in the golden age. In the 30s and 40s, how hard was it to collect a series you were following? For example, if I was a kid who loved Superman, could I easily buy every issue of Superman every month at the local newsstand? Or was it just random comics of whatever the seller could get their hands on? Mm -hmm. And now, Josh and I make a lot of jokes about being old, but we weren't around in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, I don't know how I would answer that. I don't know how it happened. I don't
0: know. Would you, you people listening around, would you be interested in some speculation by relatively uninformed people? Because (laughs) sit down. It's time. I don't know.
2: My assumption is it's the second part. It's whatever the seller got their hands on and whatever they were delivered by the distributor. And there wasn't a ton of Superman comics. There were two Superman comics. And then, you know, I don't know. I mean, how did we do it as kids, Josh? I mean, before they were comic stores, you know, I bought comics at the newsstand, there was pretty good chance of getting them in sequential order
0: and getting them as they came out. I think that depending on where you were. Depends on what the mob drivers were up to that week. I, I bet if you grew up in New York City, in the 30s or whatever, and you were like, I want all the Supermans, there was probably a way to get them. You smoked cigarettes, you worked at a factory, you had a flat cap. I mean, they they printed many more than they did today. Correct. Right.
2: So many of them are returned.
0: Yeah, and dime store, you know, whatever, like, you know, they were there, and if people wanted them, you know, and they were probably, you know, like a lot more people bought them, and so they weren't as valuable. They, well, weren't, they weren't valuable were the at items. all. They
2: were just things you bought and read, like magazines and newspapers. So, Right. The mentality was different. If you were a kid like Superman, obviously you wanted to read the next issue. But it doesn't mean you necessarily had an easy way to do it or a reliable way to get it.
0: I mean, I'm guessing if you were in Kansas, ironically, it was a lot harder. Plus, you know, you were busy. You had garments
2: to sew. You know? (laughs) Papers to hand out. (laughs) Pocket watches to lift off of unsuspecting people on the street. Like, you had things to do in the 30s and 40s.
0: You were always slowly dying from... (laughs) poisons from benzene in the air from lead paint (laughs) from substandard dental care the teeth were falling out everyone was dehydrated desperate for an orange i mean alcoholics (laughs) violent alcoholics in every direction you saw (laughs) sneak thieves brick bats plug uglies
2: (laughs) So yeah, comics might not have been the priority. The 40 thieves, dead rabbits, survival, factory <laughs> fires, garment district hooligans,
0: oh, triangle shirtwaist, <laughs> exactly. Just the landfill down in Lower Manhattan, cholera, constant <laughs> world war,
2: fifteen-year-old <laughs> sneaking off to fight the Nazis. Like these are things that were priorities. I don't know why well, we were back. We were Spanish back there.
0: aggression. I'm at 1900 because it's more fun for me to say these things, but still. Spanish flu? There was no Superman comics in 1918. Not in physical form, but... Spiritually.
2: Yes. So, yeah, I don't know, Justin. I don't know. It was probably... It was way more difficult than now, but I don't know.
0: I don't know. But at the same time, thank you so much (laughs) for allowing us to do what we just did. That was a good part of my day.
2: Uh, Well, all right. I'm just going to step on this landmine since it's related to what we just said. Andrew M. from Spain. I've been thinking about this since the original release of Gal Gadot's first Wonder Woman film. I've always thought lots of people might assume or after some time remember the movie taking place during World War II as opposed to World War I. Ignoring that the movie explicitly tells you, did you think the movie looks like it takes place in World War I? And given your interest in history, are there common visuals or other nonverbal signals that better depict World War I over World War II? Thank you for the history lessons.
0: I have no recollection, but I don't remember watching it and thinking, "This is World no, no." War it two. was
2: clearly World War One. I mean, there were there are things. I mean, if you know, I you mean, know, the uniforms are different. And yes, World War One was much more focused on trench warfare. There were obviously trenches in World War Two, but World War One was like all about trench warfare.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the other differences that you could tell is that if you were right on the line, then everything was destroyed everything else wasn't destroyed right like back from the line and so in world war 2 you would think of in saving private Ryan when they go into the french town and just everything is destroyed because of bombers air bombing and and cannon and and things like that whereas in world war 1 they weren't destroying in that same way it just right. it just didn't so so you could be back off the line and everything was fine provided that you know the line hadn't moved that much with that tr- that entrenched trench warfare but whereas in world war 2 there was m- there was mechanized that was the. That's the real difference. Is there was there was mechanized warfare, and all of a sudden there was much more advanced from what happened twenty yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, early. in World
2: War One, you basically had a you had a lot of guys in trenches shooting at each other from trenches, being gassed in you know in trenches. Whereas in World War Two, you had tank battles, you had mm-hmm. battle in the air you had a different kind of warfare. It felt mm-hmm. like World War II was constantly on the move.
0: Fat, it was a fast move. I mean, the German offensive was yeah, fast the Germans were moving, moving fast.
2: The Allied invasion was fast. Like, it, it was everybody was moving fast to take land, whereas World War One was like, we're dug into this land and not moving. Mm-hmm. And so, that's one sort of visual signifier of what the action is. But the other way really is just the uniforms are totally different. They were wearing these yeah leg wrappings that went up their knees and they all had flat metal caps on and they had different guns. They had Single
0: action. they basically 19th century holdovers in World War One.
2: If you know anything about the war, you can you just look and you can see. Oh, that's how we were from World War One, I suppose. And World you're war like
0: two. Andrew, if you're from Spain, why don't you? And then I go, Spain was not involved in that way at that time. So that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah,
2: it's, it's just the visual signifiers of the clothing and the weapons and the style of warfare. And as Josh said, you're not going to see like giant tanks rolling around World War One stories or.
0: They had tanks, but they did not look the same and they were not yeah. all that
2: good. They were not very advanced. Cars weren't very advanced in 1918.
0: No. And that that is one of the differences is that, you know, World War 1 was largely a horse-drawn warfare. A lot of dead there horses. some of it at the beginning of World War 2, German. Anyway, I could go on. But yeah, horses no, were fires. Definitely. There were no the planes looked very
2: different. They were biplanes.
0: They they were made they had cloth in the wings. Plus, Snoopy was
2: driving one of them?
0: Yeah, and it's weird is that it was a doghouse he was flying. <laughs>
2: yeah. Him and the Red Baron were always fighting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it, I mean, sure, if people could think bad if you don't know really anything about war, you might. But I mean, they were they were pretty clear in the movie, and it, it looked very convincing. I mean, there was a whole you know famous sequence. The best sequence of the film is where she goes into no man's land, and well, there certainly were things like that. World War II was much more of a World War One thing, where they just dug in, and there was the no man's land area. I
0: think if there was any reason to think that it would be that World War I is actually, historically, it's not been depicted very often.
2: More lately. I was thinking about it. Like yes, we, more lately. But at the time
0: this movie came out...
2: 1917 and, and War Horse, like those are, in the last decade, you've had two All major... Quiet on the world at All Front. Quiet Western Front, which is you know, a remake of
0: a, of, it's a a much, of a movie. It is a much more complicated set of reasons. Like To explain why World War I happened, it takes a lot more it's harder to understand why. It, I kind of know, and it, it's even... Basically, a bunch of treaties got broken, and everybody would attack everybody else, you know, for reasons that aren't entirely clear.
2: Because war was jolly good fun back then, Josh.
0: Yeah. And World War II happened because the Germans were still pissed about World War I.
2: Yeah. And they had a proxy war in Spain first. Yeah. That's where Andrew comes in. He was probably there.
0: And an evil, an evil genius. The
2: Germans and the Russians fought a proxy war before as a little prelude, and then they fought the World War.
0: Yeah. Anyway... I see, I knew we'd go on on that one. If there are any historians out there... Who are tearing their hair out? I don't want to know what we got wrong. <laughs> However, if there are any historians out there who are like, actually, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty good, uh, you can tell me. I'm, I'm fine with that.
2: Yeah, and also, if you're a historian, I have several books on World War I that I have in my stack to read. Because uh-huh. I haven't read a lot of books about World War One. But if there's some seminal works on World War I, please let us know. In the comments or email us at contact.fanboy.com. Because I'd like Let to ask us. you this
0: if you were saying the word historian, do you say it's a historian or, or an historian? Mm. I like to say an historian. I think I've said, I've said both. Yeah.
2: I think it comes more clearly out of my mouth as a historian. I think you're right, but I'm a bit of a fancy lad. So right. I want to say. You are one of those guys who went to World War I thinking it was jolly good fun. And yeah. it was good for you know to burnish your bona fides at the club, uh-huh. and realize, oh fuck, Is
0: uh-huh. that gas! I just thought it was regular mustard, and I thought this didn't that happened sounds...
2: in the Boer War. <laughs>
0: <laughs> World War One jokes, everybody. That's why they keep people
2: calm, Josh, for the World War One jokes.
0: I mean, I mean, this isn't Gallipoli here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Contact.ifanboy.com is where you can write in like Andrew and Justin. You can also write in for a Media explode show if you want. Put Media explode in the subject line if you'd like to be on that one. We got a bunch of those last week, so thank you. Now back to the plugs. As I mentioned last week, we're in the middle of eight straight weeks of extra shows, the Extra Thursday show, as we like to call it. Two weeks ago, we had our Media explode We did our pre Oscars Best Picture discussion. Last week, we had our Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania review. This past week, right behind this show, we have our Legion of Superheroes animated show
0: review. This coming week, Josh, you had Toxplode. Yeah, we had uh, Ryan North on the show. Hmm. Ryan North of uh, comics fans will most recently know him from Fantastic Four and Secret Invasion, but um, he had a long 50-issue run on uh, Squirrel Girl, the mm-hmm. un- unbeatable squirrel. I forget what the, uh, what the title is before it. You know, But he's probably most well-known in the entire world for doing dinosaur comics for 20-plus years. It's kind of a story that mirrors our own a little bit. It's sort of the timing and the way that that all worked out. I really enjoyed the conversation with him. And I think that he had a good time and he's exceptionally intelligent. Mm. Like I felt intimidated. Uh, That sounded like, but like I, I can normally hold my own and I was like, wow, he's much smarter than I am. And just really interesting. I think unlike a lot of the stereotypes people have about cartoonists, comic book writers, Really interesting dude. It's definitely going to be worth listening to.
2: So that'll be coming to you this coming week. Next week, we'll have our Media explode again, where Josh and Ron are going to review the first season of Andor. Yes, finally. And then after that, we'll have the Shazam review, Fear of the Gods. The week after that will be our Book Splode Kingdom Come review. We haven't talked about or read that book in a decade. And then the finally, I think... We'll have our Batman the Doom of Gotham animated review. It depends on when it comes out digitally. It may we may get pushed. It may only end up being seven weeks in a row. But anyway, we have a lot of special edition shows coming at you over the next
0: several weeks. So enjoy, enjoy. Blame the patrons. It's their fault. It's absolutely their fault. You can find our full library of over twelve hundred shows and counting over at ifanboy.com. dot We're gonna update when it's thirteen hundred. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where, where, uh
2: I can tell you right now while you talk. I mean, exactly it is
0: iFanboy.com, wherever you can get your podcasts, there's all sorts of places now. We're in those places. Presumably, you know that as you're listening to this show. You can find <laughs> if you're like, man, I've been listening to this on Overcast, but I want to switch to uh, some other one. I don't know. I haven't even looked in so long. At Comics on Instagram, you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. Sometimes you'll find the best of the week in panels. Connor and I are both on Instagram, J.A. Flanagan and at Patrick, not respectively because I reversed that.
2: I can tell you... That this episode is our twelve hundred and seventy sixth audio show, not counting make comics and not counting don't miss. So okay. technically speaking, it's not. But
0: okay, so there's, there's
2: probably well over thirteen hundred. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember how many total. You, you did fifty make comics, right? And then yes, I don't remember how many don't miss, but those were on a separate feed. So that those feeds are dead, and so I don't. They're not counted as our main feed. But our main feed, we have twelve hundred and seventy six shows counting this one. So it's a lot of shows. Wow. Hey, subscribe to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash fanboy. That's where you can find not only this show every week, we put this show up there, but you can find all of our old video shows. And maybe you don't know, maybe you're not aware that we did like, I don't know, 300 video shows, something like that over the, no, actually more than that, because we did 270 something full length shows and we did
0: 144 minis. So a lot, a lot. They talked about collecting comic books in the 30s, which they didn't know anything about. (laughs) Then they talked about the differences World War One and Two for quite some time, which is not what we signed up for. And And then at the end, bunch of counting and Twinkies, a lot of counting. I think everyone's there for Twinkie and cupcake. You know, you
2: you know what you shouldn't do is uh, go and look at any of those old video shows, Josh. I don't plan to. I discovered this a week ago that I live with someone who has never seen one of the minis ever, any of the minis. Okay, so I was like, hey, there's some funny ones in there. We did some goofy. (laughs) So do I. Let's pull one up and you can check it out. And I made the mistake of going, whoa, what happened to me? Mm. My beard used to be so dark it was almost black. Mm -hmm. And it's not anymore. And I was really, really shocked by that. It was staring me right in the face. And the 30 pounds I probably put on since then. So not good. Not good for my self-esteem. I'm still thinking about it. Anyway, I'm just going to skip the rest of the script and say thank you for listening to this week. I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun doing it. Josh enjoyed it. Always. He had a lot of fun doing it. And we'll be back next week. And until then, I'm Connor. I'm
0: Josh. And I love all of you. And Twinkies. More so.
1: And thanks for the cheer. I hope you didn't mind my bend in your ear. But this torch that I found It's gotta be drowned Or it soon might explode So make it one for my baby And one more for the road